welcome to the Front Porch Political Talk Show with your host, Hatton Humphrey, bringing you thoughtful comments on the news of the day, as well as lessons from the past and insights into things to come. We offer our comments and invite you to add your own. Recorded live. Good evening, everyone. It is Sunday, May 31st, 2015. This is the Front Porch Political Talk Show. My name is Hatton Humphrey, and I thank everybody for listening in. Our show is produced through TalkShow, which provides two ways to be a part of the call. You can dial in area code 724-444-7444. TalkCast ID is 75570. You can also join us in Second Life during the recording session at our uh, outpost uh, or I'm sorry, our coffee shop on Chertopia. For information on that, on the uh, show notes, on all the articles that we're going to talk about that we have talked about on past episodes, the 20 or the, the 19 previous episodes of this show, and the 360 plus episodes of um, the East Coast Conservative Podcast, visit the website at frontporchtalk.net. If you want to send comments, um, send them via email to conservativepodcast at gmail.com or uh, post them on the website or send them to us via Facebook. Now, um, it's we've had a week off. We're refreshed. We're renewed. The uh, scotch glass is refilled. So um, for those that haven't listened to us before, we have a lot of fun. We start with interesting stories. We have a topic. Tonight's topic is the results are in. Um, Rush Limbaugh has a phrase, the see I told you so moment. And that is what tonight's show is all about. Um, there are times when you know, elected officials will, will push through actions or congressional bodies will pass laws or courts will make decisions, and invariably somebody will say X, Y, or Z will happen. And in most cases, the mainstream look at these people and say, you're nuts. That's never going to happen. Well, tonight's articles are, those are going to happen. For the most case, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes, sometimes um, moves in a direction or another, I won't use the word progress, are good. Sometimes they're not. Our opening story, which is, uh, which is not necessarily political in nature, though I do welcome the coming of our robot overlords, uh, comes to us from Nevada, where we will now have testing of a self-driving 18-wheeler on public roads. Um, so, drone trucks could soon be plying U.S. highways after Nevada authorities on Wednesday granted a license to self-driving trucks on public roads. Um, while companies such as Google and luxury brands like Lexus have dominated the headlines, Dimer board member Wolfgang Bernard told reporters autonomous trucks were likely to hit the roads first. And this makes sense. Um, Larry, I hear you sighing over there heavily. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Jump in. I'm a little under the weather. I'm guessing you probably have have some some interesting input on driverless or self-driving trucks. Well, first of all, we got to say that these... what has been approved is not trucks driving all over the highway. What has been approved is testing of 
emerging technologies on certain routes for trucks in the state of Nevada, primarily some straightaway routes going between the two big cities in Nevada, um, which I don't see a problem with at all. Um, second of all, I, I took real note of the, the in that same article the statistics on uh, the Google car and some other cars. Apparently, mm-hmm. there has never been an accident so far with in Google's case, I guess 1.7 million miles now accumulated of uh, cars driving themselves. There have been 11 accidents, all minor, none of which were caused by the Google car. They, you know, typically the Google car is at a stop stoplight and they get rammed from behind. So mm-hmm. if if you exclude uh, the accidents over 1.7 million miles that were caused by the other driver. Google has accumulated 1.7 million accident-free miles mm-hmm. in a driver in driverless cars. That is stunning, as far as I'm concerned. That is that is a huge statistic. And it's funny because I saw a, I actually watched a video of um, one of these uh, autonomous trucks, and they're not driverless. The way that the way that this video showed. Um, basically, it was kind of like an airplane. You, the, the driver pulled it out, got it on the highway, and set the autopilot. And then when it was getting close for, you know, for the landing or for the um, exit off of the highway, the computer made a signal and woke the driver up or you know, whatever. And, um, uh, and basically... Um, had had the driver take control again. Yeah, but you know, um, to update ourselves, big airplanes land themselves now because they're better at it than the pilot sitting there. Yeah, and, and that's going to happen with trucks and cars. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've they've been working on this for quite a while. I remember over a decade ago seeing um, it was back then. It was one of those shows of like people are kind of working on this, kind of looking at this sort of thing about uh, these autonomous trucks. And one of the things they, they had in the video they pointed out was said, you get this system in place and then you can start having five or 10 trucks safely riding each other in each other's slipstreams and you save a lot of gas. True convoys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to resist the urge to say anything beyond rubber duck. Huh? You've okay. never heard I'm, the song Convoy. Never mind. I'm gonna. I, lo- I like that song. I I am with the school of thought that says it is the Muppet singing in the background, despite the fact that it apparently wasn't and could never have been, because apparently Jim Henson and the guy who sang that song had some really serious issues between them or serious disagreements. Yeah. Politically. I'm gonna preference what I'm about to say by saying I like truck drivers. There's some really good people out there who drive trucks, and they're the foundations of what America really is. But I deal with a lot of truck drivers, and some of them have the IQ less than peanut butter. And with that being said, I would be in all favor of computerizing some of their systems. Because some of the things I've seen truck drivers do are idiotic at best. And if they can get assistance from a form of AI... And so be it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, um, so, oh, so we're we're in agreement. This is nothing funny. This is really good, oh, exciting no, news. No, 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 no. I'm I'm saying this is a, um, a this is a result of of techno technological advance. This is a result of things going well. I mean, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. Normally, we do open with a funny, heartwarming, or different story. This is just non-political, uh, unless you decide to make it political. Um, so, well, I'm sure uh, the unions. The, I'm, I'm sure the unions, the Teamsters, will be against uh, replacing eventually the drivers with a computer. I mean, it's going to happen. I don't see them ever replacing drivers. I mean, I, they, I believe I remember hearing some similar comments, you know, or seeing history of some similar comments when it came to autopilot and planes. Autopilot and planes doesn't replace the pilot. But it could. Um, it could. I mean, the, uh, the, the Air Force it, it, and the Navy were absolutely sure that they would never be able to make an airplane that would land itself on a, on a uh, carrier. Well, it turns out that the the X-47B does a really good job of that. It never misses the second hook. I mean, it's perfect over and over again. Now, um, they have completely lost their argument about we, we should never build fighter aircraft that are not at least manned with a safety observer in the fighter aircraft. That's stupid. And, and you know, with, with money at stake... And the people who run fleets of trucks, frankly, are money-driven, period. They're mm-hmm. going to find a way to get rid of that, get rid of the driver. I don't see it getting rid of the driver. Here's what I see it doing. Right now, according to federal safety laws, drivers have to, can only drive, what is it, eight hours? And then they have to pull off and stop and sleep. They have to have a, a designated period of time where they rest. What I actually, and, and, and right now, freight companies get around this by hiring married couples. He'll drive for eight hours while she sleeps, and she'll drive for eight hours while he sleeps. What do they do for the next eight hours? They swap Never out. Mind. Never mind. Never mind. They swap out. So, okay. so basically, basically, they can get more miles during the day because the freight companies are paid based on the on the delivery. They aren't pay, paid based on the mile. The drivers are based paid on the mile. Whatever. How, maybe I got those words wrong. Um, what I see this happening is replacing the spouse or replacing the second driver and allowing the driver, the human driver, to extend their their drive time capability through the night or during the day where you know so so the trucks will never the only time the trucks will stop running or get off the road is to refuel you know and if we, they can fi- and if they can figure out an on-road refueling process they'll do that too because it has nothing to do with unions it has nothing to do with um with with manpower it has to do almost entirely with getting the freight from point A to point B you know you keep on um giving uh, aircraft as an example. Yes. The problem with aircraft is, with the problem with the comparison is, in aircraft you don't have another plane coming towards you in the other lane. So you, you will always have to have a, a person who is able to navigate and operate the vehicle in case of emergency. See, most most of the airlines, 
you have to have some, uh, either the pilot or the co-pilot in the cockpit at all times. It's to say, if we're going to do this with the with the trucking industry, you almost have to have someone behind the wheel who can take charge in case of emergency, because the computer can't say can't foresee the person in the other lane coming into your lane. That's where human intuition comes in. Well, and that's those are the statistics that Larry was quoting earlier. I, I, I want to do what you said somebody always does at this point. I'm going to make a prediction that the day is going to come when people figure out that uh, AI truck drivers are far more reliable and far more intuitive and far safer than human drivers. We have already discovered that with human airplane drivers because when, when the computer has a problem or there's, there's, there's been a vandalism and the human grabs a hold of the airplane, commonly because he hasn't had a lot of opportunity to do this lately, the, the airplane's in trouble. We're, we have discovered that without the practice, the human pilot really gets bad at his job. We're going to learn soon enough here that the sooner we get the humans out of the cockpit and the sooner we get the humans out of the truck, the safer we will be. Well, Charlize is saying in Second Life that she believes that that kids today will not even drive like the the same way that we do. I agree with her. Do you remember the uh, the movie um, the the Sixth Day with um, with Arnold Schwarzenegger? He was a clone or what have you. In one of the opening sequences of that movie, they were flying cars. And what they ended up doing was they, they set their program to where they were going, and the truck flew where it was going by itself. They would they turned around, they were having a conversation and all of this. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that's what most automobiles is going to be like. You're, gonna, you, you're still going to have human drivers in certain models, but for the most part... The way GPS has been upgraded over the last two decades, the way that AI has been put together over the last few decades, you're going to have cars, you're going to have vehicles that are pretty much self-driven. And well, I'm just all, all I can say is I'm glad that everybody agrees with me that we all welcome the coming of our robot overlords. Oh gosh, nobody says nobody says that. As someone who's Admittedly, watched all three Matrix movies. It scares me a little bit. <laughs> I even watched the Animatrix. The Animatrix is better than any of the Matrix movies. Yeah, it is. Uh, okay, let's get so, back to reality. Speaking of speaking of, speaking of wild out ideas, um, I've got I've got a the next article hits really close to home. I've mentioned in the past, I think on the show, that one of my neighbors is a brewery. I also live in the Niagara Wine Country. So there's, I think, 18 or maybe it's 15 wineries in Niagara County, some of them, a few of them in, in the town limits where I live. There's a casino that's just down the road. I've learned the other day that, um, uh, that there is a distillery that is working you know, in the town to uh, get its licensure. And now the next one, and this one is really close because it's actually closer proximity to me than the brewery. Um, a local company is going to try and put in a medical marijuana processing facility. And here's how this ties in with the theme of tonight's show. 
I said these are the results are in, and we talked about you know, <clears throat> uh, you know when people when uh, administrations when things do things, um, predictions are going to be made. New York State passed a medical marijuana bill, and of course there has to be facilities, and actually the the law only allows for five in the state, uh, but there have to be facilities to process to cultivate, process, and distribute. Not necessarily be the direct end result. This is the, the this is the selling to the shops that people go into distribution. So we aren't going to have people coming in here with little cards going to this place every day. Though so they might have that here too. Um, for medical marijuana. So forget Sin City. For forget Las Vegas. Niagara County, New York, is going to become the armpit of hell as far as vice is concerned. And I include it because, um, what is that phrase that we use? NIMBY? Not in my backyard? That's the one. Yeah. Um, This is actually being received by the town and by most folks very positively because the place where it's going is an empty factory that left, I think it was 300 jobs when they moved out of New York State due to the taxes and due to some other restrictions. Um, it's going to replace it with 50 to 75 trained positions, high, you know, not, not, not six-figure, but well-compensated employees. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to see happen. Listen, let let the county council pass this thing, and on the same and in the same uh, breath, let them open up either a a, a hostess factory or a lathe factory, and you'd have the money rolling in like gangbusters, because that's pretty much the only side effect of marijuana at this point. Oh yeah, no, it's. I... Here's the thing, I'm not. I'm not one that stands against medical marijuana. There is there there are too many things that I have seen where, on an anecdotal level, I'll be honest, I haven't looked at the research a lot, but on an anecdotal level, um, I've seen the positive impacts of it. In a controlled environment, it can do a world of good for somebody that is suffering due to a number of different medical conditions that gets abused. Without a doubt, or but, any drug gets abused. That's the oh thing. yeah. Now you have to understand why marijuana was made illegal in the first place. Well, because we people and, have been and that's, smoking marijuana for the last hundred thousand years, and I'm not going to go into detail on the history of this. But for the most part, you're going to you see the you. states going into first of all the medical marijuana legalization. Even my state, which is blood red, is proposing legalizing medical marijuana. Now, I've said this before on the show, you have the two test cases in in um, Washington State and in Colorado. Within five years or ten years, when those numbers really come out and the rest of the states look at it, they're going to say, you know what, we, want, we, we could use something like this. And probably within the next 20 years, the federal government as a whole is going to decriminalize marijuana as a controlled substance just because of the of the tax revenue that it's going to bring in. Now, if your state, well, you, New York does has a uh, 
medical marijuana law, correct? Yes, they're working on it. They're working on implementing it. And the way these processing plants have been going on throughout the country, it's a big revenue boost for your area. It will be a big revenue boost for your area, just because of the fact that one, it's, a, it's an industry that's not readily available to most places within the state. Mm-hmm. And second, there are significant medical benefits to having a, a plant like this. So once it's said and done, no matter what the people who are opposed to this are saying, it's going to be a boost to the, to the general area. Yeah, and that's that's kind of that, that's what the elected officials locally are are seeing and realizing is that there is a there is a physical boost, and you know this is not you know one of the things I think that that the medical marijuana experience in other states is taught is that the the dispensaries are not you know are not. Um, don't turn don't create uh row crack housing or crack row housing i can't think which the way the right description of that is so it's it's definitely a um um it hits close to home for me and it's funny because as i talk to folks you know some folks are like well you can't have your kids growing up near that and other folks are like hey that's that's going to be great economic builder for for your area you got to ask, what's more dangerous, the brewery down the road or the marijuana growers down the road? And for the yeah, most part, which is more which which is more which is more dangerous, the brewery, the the distillery, or the medical marijuana processing plant? Medical marijuana is having a brother that has. Yeah. Now, granted, no, you, I am going to go into a little in. bit of the history. The 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 the, the criminalization of marijuana stems from the temperance movement of the early to of the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. Now, we're realizing as a culture and as a society that it's not as bad as we first thought it was. Even though we do have new new uh new um plants that are stronger, but it's not it's not the evil that was it was intended to be. No, no, you, you don't have. I mean, it, you're right, and you know this. This hits close to home for a couple of different reasons because we have someone in the family that that will benefit from medical marijuana once you know once the doctors can start writing the prescription. You know, and you know it, it's the advantage of you know we could we could spend more than a single show talking about. You know the the different aspects of of medical marijuana, the war on drugs. The you know we've we've had these uh, some of these conversations we've had many many times, but I just you know it, it strikes very close to home this time. And, you know and, and, I, I used to make the running joke that libertarians were Republicans that wanted to smoke weed, but the way society has been cultured over the last uh, forty years, for example, you have both parties that are really up for the legalization of marijuana. You have you have the Republicans and you vote, you have the Democrats. And you've had the trial balloons, the experimentation within the states starting about 20 years ago when the first states legalized medical marijuana. And they had no real ill effects. And like I said earlier, 
you have the progression of the two states that have legalized marijuana, and you have two more states that are about to legalize it or have legalized it or are about to start dispensing. So once that comes into play, you're going to have many other states that are going to follow along first with the trial balloon of the medical marijuana experimentation and then eventually into the legal, the total legalization. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm waiting on an answer here from Toa. Yeah. I, I don't know. As a, you wanna, and, and what I said in the chat is, I think it's a little unfortunate that the argument of, well, it's not as bad as we thought, is what's winning the day, as opposed to what I think would be the much the much better, the much more healthy from a rights point of view argument of we don't actually have a right to stop people from putting stuff in their bodies. If they want to, if they want to take this, these substances, it is not our right to stop them. And it is not our right to use force to do so. I think we'd be a lot better off if that was how we came to this conclusion. I mean, I'm, I'm well, certainly glad that we're, that we're heading in toward um, decriminalizing this one particular substance, I just think we'd go a lot farther if we if we reach a point where we we understand we don't have the right to stop people from doing things, even if we think those things are bad, as long as they're not directly harming someone else. You know, I understand the libertarian view with the drug the, the war on drugs, but for the most part, the states and the federal government look at it as how can we profit off of this? And well, it's it's not just a matter of profit. Well, it, it it is because they don't care unless they can make a profit. Now, alcohol the, and tobacco, they're both drugs. They're both well, legal. Here's here's a, here's a challenge. Are, here's, okay, 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 we're not Joseph. Okay, we've had this conversation before. We have, um, and. You know, I, while while I understand and and I will say that we have in the there have been decisions that have been made in the past. I've heard arguments for the um, temperance movement. I mean, good God, we we had a period of time where at a federal level, enough people voted or the right people voted to ban alcohol sales in the U.S or alcohol manufacturer in the U.S. for, what was it, a period of nine years, and that was codified in the Constitution. So from a, do we have the right to, the government has the ability to pass laws that are vetted. I know that the war on drugs was, well, I don't know, was the war, was the, prosecution and the and the legalization of controlled substances ever run up the flagpole at the Supreme Court? I I believe it might have been and at the time it would have been uh, during like the, the kind of basis for this would have been back in the New Deal era and right. at the time it would have been while the court was afraid of FDR but I mean here's the thing you look at uh, or the feds passed prohibition without a constitutional amendment first. And then the Supreme court came and said, no, you can't do that. That's why they passed the constitutional amendment. Right. And then they repealed the amendment and then they did what is essentially the exact same thing, even more so in federal law without a constitutional amendment. And they've been doing it for decades now. And the Supreme court 
is not saying a word except to side with them in things like Reich. So, yeah, the, the yeah. entire drug prohibition is and has always been unconstitutional. It's just that all the branches of government, including SCOTUS, has not called them on it. We know it's unconstitutional because, as I said, the feds did the exact same thing before the 18th Amendment, and it got knocked down. Right. So, um, I need to. I want to jump to the next article because we've got we've got quite a few to to hit. Um, I you know again, I wanted to bring this up not so much for the 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 whole war on drugs, but for the this is the natural next step of what happens with actions. So New York State passed um, legislation with uh, with regards to medical marijuana. Now companies are competing for uh, are competing to find um, places to produce it. New York State is also the home of our next article, which I'm sure has some people extremely happy. The New York State Assembly has now passed a bill to create a single-payer health plan. Uh, the bill I passed... Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, the, the, the bill passed 89 to 47. Um, the, the vote... Of, the for, Health Committee Chair Richard Gottfried has introduced a bill for single-payer in New York State every year since 1992. Um, and in his statement, he said, we should be able to get go to the doctor when we need to without worrying whether we can afford it. We should choose our doctors and hospitals without worrying about network restrictions. We deserve health coverage for all of us paid for based on our ability to pay, not what the market will bear. Um, from Claire Hughes, the proposal called the New York Health Act, dubbed Medicare for All by Advocates, would provide comprehensive health coverage to all New Yorkers. Um, yeah, the uh, the Simpsons game on my phone just just chimed in my comments and said better them than me. Okay, if they're you looking know. at the Massachusetts model of single payer health care, which you had, which was the the precursor to Obamacare, one of the mm-hmm. things that many people do not realize is that Ted Kennedy, who was senator from Massachusetts was getting funding from the federal government to fund the uh, that program. Now, since Chuck Schumer and the other Democratic nom- uh, senator from New York are in the minority, there's a less likely chance that funds will be allocated from the federal government to New York State. And with that being said, there's a big problem in the future budgets of New York State. Because no state is able to fund that alone. No, they have to and, get outside help. And 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 their thought process is is that you're, there will be a progressive tax on. Um, uh, in my what I've what I've seen here. Sorry, I'm getting notes from getting notes from uh, comments outside the show. There would be a progressive tax to cover, you know. Hence the comment, uh, hence the comment that uh, based on our ability to pay, to pay. So somebody that has a large income or a, a high 
uh, high net worth would pay in more to this health system through the New York State tax return than somebody making minimum wage. And yet both would receive equal coverage. Then what you're eventually going to have is people who are going to vote with their feet and leave the state of New York. Mm-hmm. Now, I keep see- even I'm in Louisiana. I keep seeing commercials for invest in New York or you get so many years tax-free if you come you move your company to New York. Uh-huh. Yep. With now that tells me that New York is begging for people to come into their state. They are. They, New York State has New York State has empire zones. The empire zones offer up to what is it Larry 10 years tax-free or, or it's in its well, 10 they got, years. they got a whole package of tax abatements, and I think it is 10 years. The, um, the, the point is that Joseph is absolutely right. People have been voting with their feet, and they've been doing it for a long time. And Cuomo, uh, I don't know what his motives are exactly, but he's trying to correct that, and nobody's well, buying it. You know, they, t- 10 years tax-free in New York is um, not worth it. You know, no, stay and, where you are. Go somewhere else. It sucks. It's, and maybe I should have maybe I should have put this article before the medical marijuana because that exact same that exact thing happened with the factory where they're looking to put the medical marijuana processing facility. It was a local salad dressing company that was bought by a national or a global salad dressing company who then. Um, who then said, we have production facilities in, in Ohio. It's within the same distribution region. The stuff from here goes to the same central uh, hub for shipping as, as our Ohio plant does, and we're pay, paying more in taxes, and we're dealing with more government nuisance. So they pulled all their lines out and left. Same thing yet with Rubbermaid and Cortland. They well, came in here. They, they the, the city gave them f- two city blocks free. Uh, mm-hmm. They actually closed is, and, uh, streets and, and they built this enormous factory. And five years later, they left town. Yeah. So well, I'd love to see how many of these companies who moved to New York because of the tax incentives actually stay past the ten years. Because once they get that bill in year ten of how much they're going to actually make uh have to pay in taxes. They're going to they're going to move. And you mentioned you you wanted to put you may have wanted to put the the marijuana one second to this story. But mm-hmm. the marijuana story is that's a localized cash crop only available in the state of New York because of the laws that they have passed. Yep. Once you have a state government an overreaching state government who is going to tax the hell out of you after a period of time, there is no reason for that business to stay longer than that grace period allows. Can, so I, can, I, add, can I add something to what you're saying, Joseph? Go ahead. Uh, first of all, I, I, I haven't seen the most recent numbers, but up to a couple of months ago, the response to uh, Cuomo's uh, begging and pitching throughout the country has been very meager, I think is the right word. Part of the well, problem is, yeah, and, and then and then and then with legislative action like this, it's not going to get any better. But nobody believes him. Yeah, I mean, 
this very article has the seeds of doubt planted in it. Where, besides Vermont, would a common peer would a common peer system be most likely to be passed? Nowhere else. Vermont is Hawaii. Well, Hawaii, maybe, maybe Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, right. But the point is that Vermont got very close to doing it, and they. Um, except for, I guess, uh, Bernie Sanders, figured out that it was a horrible mistake. Now, just across the border, some geniuses in New York State did a survey and concluded that doing it in New York State is going to save us $45 billion. Now, the, the reason I'm ranting on here is we don't know. You can't trust surveys. You can't trust politicians you can't trust studies they make the stuff up they falsify the data and they lie to us i don't have any idea whether a single payer can be made to work or not i'm pretty sure that the way they're going to do it in new york is going to be a disaster just because of their history but i don't really know whether it's even possible i do know that if you don't do something about insurance companies, and you don't do something about tort law, there isn't anything that they can do that will work. But but they keep talking the talk as though somehow it's the best idea they had since yesterday. But you have to look at it like this. What is your tax burden as a New York citizen, including federal, state, and local taxes? And with this proposal brought up by the, by the, uh, the Assembly, assembly. How much more would your taxes go up because of it? Oh, no, it, it would be insane. And I that's why Sean Hannity. Would be Sean Hannity tax. lives in uh, Long Island, which is part of New York State. He pays mm-hmm. about 60% of his annual income in just taxes. Now, mm-hmm. how many people are going to want to stay in a state who are able to move? That's the asterisk. Who yeah, are able to move and still want to pay 60 70, even 80% of their yearly income in taxes. Especially given, especially given, and, and here's the thing, insurance companies, even under the Affordable Care Act, continue to grow and continue to increase premiums. You know, the, the, the average premium for, my cli- for the clients at the company that I work for, and benefits negotiations is one of the things that we handle, is you know, around $1,000 a month. So you take some of the, the, the whole concept of this is, is a, I'm not even going to, I'm not even the, going to deign Robin Hood with the, with this. This is a pure take from the rich. The rich aren't paying their fair share in taxes. So we're going to take it from them in the name of health care. You know, just just the same way that they take them from from you know in, in local taxes based on property values, the rich can afford more property, then they're going to pay more on pay more in taxes because their houses are damn well going to be um, assessed at higher values. Here's something. That's consider. what this is. Consider the case of Canada. How many people every year? come from Canada over to New York to get medical procedures. Oh, yeah, a pretty fair number. What is, it, what is the system that those people in Canada 
are leaving in order to get medical procedures in New York. They are leaving a single, single payer. payer. They are leaving a single payer system with the option for those that can afford to to purchase additional coverage. Well, you know, we and only have to look as far as the single payer system that we have in this country that's already been in place, which is the VA system. And we have all been bombarded with stories of the VA system failing mm-hmm. on multiple occasions the people who they were intended to help, mainly because of the bureaucracy the I'm sorry, the bureaucracy in place. Now you have a system you want to put a system in New York. Who's to say that the bureaucracy, the bureaucracy will not eat up most of the allocated funds and dish out health care with an eyedropper? That's been the whole problem with single payer throughout the world. Many, many places around the world have single the, the single payer system. And the argument on the left is that America is the only industrialized nation who doesn't have a single payer system. When you look at most of the single-payer systems around the world, many of their people, if they can afford to, they will go to the private hospitals and pay out of pocket or pay insurance because it's considerably better than waiting six months to get your fingers stitched. Sorry about that. I had to change batteries on my headset. It died halfway through. Can we move on to the next article? Certainly. Okay. This is another see I told you so and 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 Toa, you you said what did yeah, you I say said what did you say? That for a few minutes until basically until I saw that they had linked this story from somewhere else, I honestly thought this was the Israeli version of the onion. So did I. But it's not. <laughs> That's the sad thing. And and one of the things I've started doing and and I've I've posted stuff on Twitter and I posted stuff on Facebook before. The news today is crazy enough as it is and and so I actually take the time to look and see, okay, is this an article posted on a site that is satire? This is not. Um and that is the story of the woman who plans to marry her father after two years of dating. Apparently the this Young lady who is what is nineteen or twenty uh, was estranged from her father at the age of thirteen, and I think um, she just turned eighteen. Oh, okay, which is important because she's been dating him, presumably with carnal relations, since she was sixteen, which makes it statutory rape. Yeah, if, if somebody wanted to push that, you're right. Well, she'd have to corroborate it, but apparently she doesn't plan to do that. But you okay, know, I, by her own words, her father uh, committed statutory rape. The, mm-hmm. the timing of this um, would suggest that she was actually estranged, uh, that, that the estrangement happened when she was four. But they, because it oh, says, it says they, she was estranged for 12 years, and then they met up when she was 16, so she would have been four. Okay, which but the, still has me kind of wondering why Westermark didn't didn't attach the so-called uh, well the dating started when she was sixteen and yeah but mm-hmm. in, in, in her own words uh, 
her father rediscovered her, and I don't know remember the details, but she went to visit him for two weeks or, or so. And during that time, during their first visit, they started having sex. And at the end of the visit, they started dating, which says that happened when she was 16. Yeah. Now, I don't know what state, maybe there Illinois. are states where that's legal. But well, sure. I'll start in Illinois because this is Chicago. What's what's wait, the wait? What's the age of consent oh, in no, Illinois? Yeah, actually, I'm, I could be wrong here. It, this is apparently this story has been linked a lot. So oh, the, yeah. The um, the Chicago was not the original source. Oh no! Did I not dig hard enough on this one? Okay, this reminds me of a joke about Mississippi. Oh, yeah, let's. <laughs> what do women in Mississippi say after sex? Dad, get off my cigarettes! You're smashing them. And we'll leave it at that. Let's go to the next article. <laughs> okay. Uh, just looking over the, the. I think this might be the route. Um, okay. It just says the Great, the Great Lakes region. So that the could Great Lakes be region. any number of states. could be Michigan. It could be Illinois. It could be. Oh, the, the point is that I was going to make is, except for the fact that statutory rape presumably was involved here. That's the only thing about this story that I care about. Uh, well, if, if she had been 18 at the time, I couldn't care less. This is their lives. They can screw their lives up if they want. Yeah, Let them I, I guess the reason that I brought this story up is because one of the things that came out, you know, when, when the same-sex marriage cause was, was first being promoted and promulgated was that you know, you would start seeing people trying to marry, you know, in in groups, which we have seen, or in, you know, in, as in, in this case, in, incestu- in, in incestuous relationships. Uh, it, it opens the door, you know, and here we are. Now, this is one article, which apparently has been cross-linked more than... Uh, more than more than some atoms, but you know, I, I saw it a couple of months ago. Yeah. Um, the, ne- the next article is not on the list, and I want to get to this article because I I have to give my daughter props. I'm raising my child well. My daughter actually sent me an article for the podcast. It's not on the list because she sent it late. Because she's my daughter, I'm going to push it hey, in. You got the power. And she is she is update. Um, she she is she she is updating us on the first lady's war on s'mores. That's right. Michelle Obama wants to do away with the campfire treat, the s'more. You can see how this would be of special importance and have an impact on the life of a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old, wouldn't you? Uh, well, apparently, um, Michelle Obama wants to replace the marshmallow and chocolatey goodness of the s'more with a strawberry, which to me just goes, ew. You know, I, it, I'm glad that Michelle Obama is thinking about things like this rather than things like, for example, among others, Eleanor Roosevelt was thinking about uh, – foreign relations and changing the world and you know maybe we should all become more and more and more pro- progressive and we shouldn't have got 
upset with Stalin. You know, so I'm glad she's wasting her time on these things. And I'm absolutely sure that by the time this all winds out and we finally kick these two kooks out of the out of the the White House, yeah, the the Girl Scouts and the Boy Scouts will be gladly eating s'mores. Yes, without strawberries. Yeah, without strawberries. I but mean, I, I, she she oh. she's like the the, the 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 French queen who said, "Let them eat cake." She just doesn't have a clue. No. They, and, and, and I guess the reason that I include that story at this time is because of our next article, and that is that the White House is monitoring a peaceful Phoenix protest. Um, there was a protest in front, of the, uh, in front of a mosque in Phoenix because the two people that went to shoot at the Bra Mohammed event in Texas came from the Phoenix mosque. Uh, police officers lined barricades separating protesters and counter-protesters um, from, you know, who gathered outside of Phoenix Mosque. Here's, here is my concern on this. It's not that the police are there providing guidance and protection. It's the fact that the White House is monitoring this situation. You, I, I think about, and I've asked this question before, why is the White House constantly and continually sticking their nose into not even state issues? This is local police issues. This, this is a demonstration taking place in front of a mosque that spawned, spawned two terrorists who drove to Texas to kill a bunch of people and got killed themselves. So this yes. is not a local problem. This is a... Yes. Serious terrorist investigation. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you have preferred that the the dipstick there, the press secretary, had said, we are ignoring the situation at Phoenix? No, I would have preferred that the that, that the dipstick standing there say that this, is, that this is an issue that is being dealt with at a local and at a city level. And if necessary, the... Uh, you know the administration can can step in if there are challenges to the federal civil rights laws or the or the constitution or 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 we find evidence that indeed this mosque full of nutcases indeed is about to spawn some more of them exactly i think I think it's very reasonable well the only way the White House is going to know that is by keeping an eye on them by monitoring no, but they're not keeping an eye on the mosque. They said they're keeping an eye on the protests outside the mosque, half of whom supported the mosque. Okay. Listen, the White House has to wag the dog. The White House has to say, don't look at us, look at what's going on over here. And they have been doing this for the last six years. Yeah, they have. Every time there's a crisis, every time there's a scandal coming up of the administration, they create something that turns the attention of the American public to something else. In yeah. my opinion, the Drum Mohammed circuit should go around the country. It should span all 50 states. You root out the terrorists who come there. You have local law enforcement who just shoot them dead, like you had in Texas. Yeah, but, it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a self-contained problem at that point. Um, unfortunately, time is our problem at this point as well because we're out of it. Um, 
I, I do want to thank everybody for being a Didn't part of the show. Did we have a special request to get to the last article quickly? We we did, um, but we're we're already over time. Um, you know what? Let's let, let's let's take just a minute on that one. Um, the the last article on the list uh, is is the. Um, we had Memorial Day this past weekend, which is why we took a break. Um, and uh, Joseph said in an article, "Go ahead, real quick, and 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 give us a couple of minutes. Give us just a minute on it, Joseph." Okay, there's a website called Viox, Viox, V-O-X, which is a bunch of uh, New York Times uh, writers who got laid off recently. They're liberal uh, people who created their own website. What they're okay. proposing is you have a day for the peacemakers in this world instead of those who fought for peace. The conscientious objectors, no, those who... I those would say who, it like this, and this is this is my argument, this is my reasoning for proposing this story. The greatest peacemakers in this country's history were the ones who took up arms for America. George Washington, Teddy Roosevelt, even... Uh, FDR, George W. Bush, they were the greatest peacemakers because they showed the rest of the world that we are a country of peace and that we will stop at no end to bring peace to the world. Hmm. Well said. Yeah, I just, I just, I looked at this and said, well, you know, that's that's great. We can have a world peace day and let them be celebrated then. You know, personally, I'm not going to plant flags on their gravestones. Um, so I, I have one other thing to uh, to add, um, and then I've got to wrap the show up, and that is my daughter, who is listening, added uh, that Michelle Obama not only has something against s'mores, she also has something against school bake sales because apparently they don't fit their uh, their, their plate model correctly. I want to thank everybody for listening. Good for thank her. you for being a part of the show. <laughs> I ra- we're raising them right. Um, you know, we're we're here for educational purposes, and we're here for entertainment. If you were entertained, or if you were educated, or if you disagree with something that we said, send us comments to conservativepodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, post them on our website at frontporchtalk dot net. Send them to the Facebook site. Uh, Facebook.com slash uh, Front Porch Political Talk. Uh, send them to us via Twitter at EC Conservative. If you liked what you heard, we'll invite you to join us next week where you where you can be a part of the show. If you don't like what you heard, you know what? We'll still invite you to join us next week because you will hear different words in a different order. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Have a great night. Good night, Chuck. Strawberry-flavored marshmallows. <laughs>